welcome to another episode of At Center Stage, a video series dedicated to booming sectors and industries. Do you want to get first-hand information on the developments in a certain sector or industry and understand the behavior of uh, certain market players? Then we welcome you to join us. If this is the first time that you are with us, my name is Sasha Pop, a long-time radio guy in love with technology, gadgets, and startups, and I'm your host. Today's episode will focus on startups. What are the most common mistakes startups make that impede their development in the long run? And of course, how can you prevent that from happening? I will be joined by Monica Kick and Sasha Sodia, by all means two exceptional women deeply involved in the startup community. Monica Kick, PhD, is the CEO and founder of Blue Hira AG, a Switzerland-based boutique consulting company active in six countries whose mission is to provide professional services to smaller but high-risk enterprises such as startups. She held various high-level corporate positions in M&A and corporate finance, uh, such as uh, in the public sector in Hungary and in the European Union. She has uh, over 25 years of working experience and a strong financial and corporate finance background in an international environment, besides the several different former board memberships she held in parallel. And Sasha Sodia, an attorney at law at CMS Slovenia, who has been helping both international and domestic companies with corporate, commercial and tax-based legal challenges. She has a tax financial background, gained working for one of the big four companies over many years, which is a plus when it comes to understanding of corporate governance mechanisms, restructurings and business compliance in order to provide clients with comprehensive support. And you will see what I mean when I say that her enthusiasm and desire to make a meaningful change are contagious. Monica and Sasha, a warm welcome. Thank you, Sasha. Thank you. At the launch of a startup, everything is kind of peachy. Uh, there is an amazing idea, founding members' enthusiasm is high, the goal of hitting the IPO on the London Stock Exchange looks to be just a few steps away and nothing seems impossible. Being driven by this positive drive and energy, which is an essential factor for a startup success, can easily blind founders to potential issues that can result in legal or business risks for the company on the long run. Many startups are formed by friends or family members, so this makes the whole process very personal. In addition, founders pour a lot of their own resources into the project. So my first question today is, how important is it to have a sound legal structure from the initial formation of the business? Because you know how it goes most of the time. We have an idea, we test it out, and we fail. Well, most of the time, nine out of 10 startups fail, as they say. But if you are one of those rare startups that does well, and you were not thinking about legal structure before, then... Well, blood, sweat, and tears, right, Sasha? What are your thoughts <laughs> about this at the beginning of um, our chat today? Yes, you know, um, most of the times lawyers are, of course, seen as um, people that come into the company and draw um, this, draft this extensive documents that are making things more formal or rigid, especially with startups. 
because you know, like you said, most of the founders are friends or they know each other from before and they're kind of very not informal. But uh, when you say legal structure, I understand corporate governance as well and con contracts are also part of legal structure. And these documents are actually um, making things easier for the startups and the founders because they kind of provide rules for the relationships between them. So, um, you know, not just like division of responsibilities and obligations in everyday operations, but also provide for situations where, for example, one of the founders leaves and it's something that they didn't foresee beforehand. And this is these documents are kind of, you know, like when you play a board game, there are rules that kind of prevent having arguments in the future. So I think this is like the ground rules and um, I don't know how to explain it better, but you know, when we were in university, we played a lot of Tarok. It's like a card game that is played in Slovenia a lot and people coming from different uh, parts of Slovenia, we all played a bit differently. So every time we got together, we kind of agreed on the, you know, the constitution of the game and this kind of avoided arguing us, us arguing later on and it worked. It's similar with corporate governance and startups. It's well, not just with startups, any company basically, because once you have rules, you know what happens when you're no longer friends or, you know, family or whatever. Mm -hmm. But Sasha, many people will argue or, or will say at the beginning, well, we don't know how the thing will go, but it's better to have some basic rules, right? It's always you can better. always change later, right? You can adjust the rules. That's not a problem. But, you know, uh, it's difficult to adjust the rules when you're no longer or no longer a friend or when things are no longer working as they should. So this is just um, contracts are never there when you're friends with someone. I mean, you don't need them because when everything is running smoothly, you don't need contracts. But when something happens, you need to have like this reserve scenario um, of how to proceed when there's an mm -hmm. argument or a misunderstanding about something. Okay, now that we have this out of the way, <laughs> it's not just a legal structure that is important, Monica, right? Sure, uh, although I couldn't agree more uh, what Sasha said because clear governance, this is how we translate uh, econ in economics, clear governance. Once you are clear in governance, you know the rules and you know how to play, uh, how to make decisions and how to reach uh, your ultimate vision, basically what your company was founded for. Uh, but it's not enough, yes, because you know the rules, but you have to know the game and you have to have a vision in your head uh, towards uh, which you are basically organizing your days. But uh, unfortunately, life has a tendency to change from time to time. And uh, in order to keep your vision and to work, work towards, you have to have some uh, plans in place according to which you, you may decide what to adjust, how, when, how to align, how to adopt uh, new circumstances, which have a tendency to appear from time to time, unfortunately. So you uh, had better have a good business model in place because it gives a clarity both uh, to your customers. They know what to expect from you once you engage into any type of uh, commercial uh, relationship and also for your employees who at the end of the day have to be aligned with you working towards the common uh, goals and the common vision. 
once you have a business model and you have your operation uh, uh, set uh, properly, thanks to the legal groundwork, uh, which was mentioned before, you also have to have a kind of strategy uh, and some plans in place. Uh, strategy for the long term uh, and a business plan for, let's say, for the everyday uh, works at least for three reasons. First of all, once you are about to write down something as a human, you have the uh, tendency uh, to think things through more thoroughly. And once you put the first sentence into your computer, things start to get very complicated and very complex. But believe me, once you have done, you have such a clarity in your head that it makes much easier on the daily basis to make the necessary decisions for, for the operative and the economic reasons. So second, uh, once you have something in place, you always have cornerstones in front of you once you have to make adjustments. So you shouldn't panic and you shouldn't make impulsive decisions, but you have something to go back to and compare reality to. And on the third uh, uh, place, uh, it helps you to keep all your environment, all your employees, all your customers, all your competitors uh, in in front of you. So you always have something to to measure up to, to make decisions up to. But Monica, there are also many, many, many cases where business model was changed, strategy was changed. What about just go with the flow model and fake it till you make it approach? Well, <laughs> uh, I have to admit that we see lots of things, uh, but uh, for the matter of fact, I would counter advice because uh, I know that this is a fashionable term to go with the flow. But I think, first of all, you have to recognize the right flow to go with because there are lots of flows. There is lots of there's a lot of noise around you uh, in business as well. Uh, it is a, a crowded place to be a startup uh, if you are, let's say, in the tech industry as well. I'm not against change. So change is a natural part of life. But uh, I would counter advice. Uh, to have unstructured, impulsive changes all the time, because after a while you will lose the sense uh, of, um, how to say, the track uh, on which you would like to achieve your ultimate vision. So this kind of renaissance uh, approach, uh, probably it's not for business. That That's for art, I would say. <laughs> Great answer, thank you. And then we come to the big question of money. We know of numerous cases where startups fail simply because their runway is not long enough, as we say. Basically, they run out of money before they fly, right? So at the moment, it looks like there are immense quantities of it available on the market. According to Crunchbase data, venture funding to startups in Europe totaled an unprecedented $59 billion in 2021, which is crazy money. Money can answer a lot of problems, but um, is money an answer to every single problem, Sasha? <laughs> money is not the answer, but it really always helps, you know, like in normal life. Uh, but work still needs to be done. That will never go away. You know, with money, you can employ assets that solve the problems you have. And maybe if you want to do the work by yourself, you know, you don't have the additional pressure, you know, of survival, so you can focus better. Uh, so getting funds, of course, is good. Actually, it's the goal. But one needs to be careful not to relax too much. You know, the, the investors will not come in and do the work for you. 
Um, so at this stage, you no longer just work for yourself, but also have to meet commitments uh, that you made to the investors. And, you know, there's work to be done. You have to develop the product further, protect it as IP or business secret, build customer base, you know, secure, secure contracts or delivery, you know, the list go on. But um, like you said, money is burned easily. And a lot of times it's not burnt on stuff that is paramount. So you still have to run a tight ship and be pragmatic. And, you know, a lot of times the investors don't feel bad for losing the initial investment. They're used to that. But um, once that happens, it's difficult to get like someone else to believe in your business plan, right? And it's always important to kind of balance the enthusiasm of getting funded and, you know, having this um, notion that someone believes in you and that you will be successful um, with hard work and knowing that there is still road ahead and it's not a short road. It's kind of like, you know, a long drive. So this is somehow a groundwork startups need to do if they want to scale as investors and, and big corporates expect a certain maturity of startups, right? I would imagine that investors are not some guardian angels that will encourage the startups to incredible feats. They have the ability to do so, but first, I guess they will kind of scrutinize the business. Monica? Well, uh, that's a difficult question if you ask this way, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but I have to uh, tell in front, upfront, that money may also generate problems. Uh, as Sasha said, uh, it uh, easily blinds us everything what is glamorous and glittering and uh, the hope that we can achieve everything could be very controversial, even in the short term. Uh, I might be a myth buster here, but there is such a thing as too much money. Because once you receive the funds from your investors, they want to return. So you have to get your money work. And this is what we see probably the less often uh, nowadays because we are bathing in money as you said and the funds are very easy to achieve at the moment for certain reasons which is another podcast probably uh, and once you get it uh, i think it's somehow has the tendency to generate some corporate hedonism instead of uh, keeping a sharp focus on the original uh, agenda when it comes to growth plans uh, etc so money could be also toxic. Not to so, be so negative, I have to admit that basically this is yeah a solution for, for taking a leap uh, to scale up uh, or uh, generate a quick growth where it uh, is vital, let's say, in a particular industry because of competition. And uh, in this case, I would say some of the founders have their best days when somebody gets and scrutinizes the business, forcing some minimum reporting and uh, obligations on them and force some uh, structures on them, etc. Because it seems like a pain at the beginning, but even on the medium term, uh, it gives such a, such a structure uh, to the business life that it will uh, flatten a bit the road uh, to the success, even though it's hard to believe at the very beginning. So um, yes, funds are good, uh, so we all uh, hope for having big ones, but I would also give a warning here to be very keen on choosing the right ones and in the right amount, just to be clear about the capacities, the capabilities, uh, time uh, frames, uh, etc. 
not to run into the trouble of being blinded by by the, the huge availability. Yes, I would say exactly. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll come back to that. But I can imagine that it can be quite stressful to let someone peek around the business you have set up. Uh, and developed and it's like your baby and now it's like an uninvited guest nosing around your home and looking for flaws. Sasha, how do you see this? <laughs> it's very human trait actually. Nobody wants yeah. to see people in their underwear draw. But if you want to work with someone and hopefully also raise funds, you want to get to this phase because you know it's literally one step before negotiations. And I think that startups have to um, remember that, you know, Every company has risks, has issues, has things that are not compliant or, um, you know, like skeletons in the closet. And that really rarely impacts um, the transaction or the investment because, you know, investors just want uh, the notion that something is being done about the issues. So, you know, I guess that problem solving mindset should not be that difficult for startups because that's what they're all about. And fair disclosure is key. You know, you still need to draw the limits, at least before the commitment is made for the funding and put non-disclosure agreements in place, of course. But this is not for basic information or, you know, for non-core business information. This is just to protect your competitive advantages. And I think that uh, the investors actually kind of really expect that. It's kind of shows maturity that you want to protect what you have. And also, you know, if other investors are snooping around, you don't want, if, if you are an investor, you don't want that everyone else also knows the same things, you know, that you now know when you actually bought in the company. So yes, definitely. Snooping around is not something that that um, is pleasant. It's scrutinizing, like Monica said, it also helps sometimes because you kind of, um, the startups or the founders get to, you know, be aware of their shortcomings. And, um, but, you know, it's a normal business. It's how, how it's done. It's basically, you know, a part of gr growing up as a startup. And, you know, and on the other hand, you also need to ask questions to the investors. You know, you have to get to know to them, to know them. It's, it's kind of a, you know, like a beauty contest, but more in a way of congeniality and not as much focused on the facade. Do you know what, what I want to say? It's sure, normal. Yeah. yeah. So what would be the best way to choose an investor or maybe no investor at all and try to scale organically, Monica? How, how do we do this? I think it's a question of decision and how much money you have at home uh, to invest further. I think this is a thing because you can always choose if you have the capacities to do something on your own. But uh, I guess uh, most of the uh, companies, the startups, at least we meet, uh, uh, very quickly reach a stage uh, when to take a leap uh, to scale up uh, something external is, uh, is very much needed. Again, I can repeat myself that we have to be very clear about what we want, what exactly we want. So if we would like to expose ourselves to the variety of availabilities, we will easily be distracted uh, of the variety and we might not be able to make the right choice because as 
you said there is a huge amount of money available for, for viable uh, projects uh, nowadays. So if you have a clear vision, because you made your homework, you have a clear business model, you have your proper vision, and you also have a strategic plan in place, it should uh, show you what is uh, the interval in which you might uh, seek your uh, either funding partners or your uh, co uh, cooperative uh, um, relationships, because uh, that could be twofold. There are cases when investors are seeking for return, basically. They see something shiny and they are ready to invest uh, at a huge risk, uh, hoping for a very huge reward uh, at the end of the term. Others are uh, looking for synergies uh, in startups, uh, surprisingly, synergies for their own businesses, I have to emphasize. It doesn't mean that this is something toxic or unhealthy, but it means that you have to be very honest with yourself uh, in order to find a mutually beneficial cooperation for, let's say, the long term, if it is what you really want. It depends on the circumstances, of course. I also have to tell that uh, there are some, how to say, negative examples when uh, certain business uh, entities uh, or market players show up as investors and uh, try to sniff around uh, certain targets uh, for whatever reason, but the real intention is not really uh, business-like or acceptable, at least not in our circles, according to our principles, because that could also uh, target some business secrecy um, compromises, let's uh, be PC, uh, which uh, no way should be the part of the game, uh, even when it comes to startups uh, and small companies at the beginning of their uh, life, uh, lifetime. So what I would advise is uh, don't hesitate to ask for advice. So once you have your baby in your hands, as Sasha uh, characterized, because it's really an emotional piece when you have to uh, make uh, such decisions to get uh, uh, rid of a part of uh, your, um, how do you say, uh, initial idea. So you naturally want to protect it and give it to the right hands, uh, be very careful and consult someone who sees you from the outside. So it doesn't overweight certain issues uh, or uh, underestimate the relevance of other ones. So it's very, very crucial. Once you have uh, someone uh, on board, uh, they might help you with the market intelligence. They might introduce you to the right uh, group of investors or might uh, keep you on the track and not to get blinded or distracted by some, uh, how to say, non-commercial, non-economical uh, factors around the investment itself. So probably one last sentence uh, here. It's about the fair disclosure and how to make it, uh, uh, how to say, in a, in a, in a particularly uh, fair way, is that uh, having a structured and focused fair disclosure doesn't mean unlimited uh, or unbounded uh, honesty and a flood of information necessarily. It can be as damaging as hiding or misinterpreting things. So someone can help you really to structure what you would like to let's say show or present about yourself and how to do that the right way to have a mutually beneficial uh, uh, relationship uh, in the business uh, for the long term very Probably good that's all. yeah yeah
Monica, uh, scaling, investing, growing for the startup, it's not just, you know, uh, rainbows and butterflies, as we say, it's a long journey. Uh, but how does one make the process of growth enjoyable as possible? Well, uh, I think you have to, uh, to be a kind of an adventurous type, I guess, uh, because you are jumping into the unknown and then you are very persistently swimming towards something that you have in your mind and probably you are the only one who has uh, the, all the details in mind. So I would say just keep the vision. So always remember why you started. I think it's a good start. And be prepared for the three A's uh, because we all have letters uh, to remember, which is like align, adopt and adjust if necessary without giving up the original vision and uh, simply enjoy the ride, even if it's yeah, bumpy yeah. and difficult, <laughs> enjoy it. Enjoy the journey, as they say, right? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Sasha, your thoughts on this? Uh, I think we need to support startups. I mean... This, uh, they have this idea that with a good idea, or you know, just, just with the idea, you can make it. So basically, they're making the world a better place for everyone with you know, having this process. And even if they don't, you know, they're the kind of the cool kids that have the vision and believe in themselves. So you know, if, they, if they tell you at the beginning that you, two-thirds of startups never make a positive return, that you know, it takes some courage to travel that road. And I've met some incredible people in the community. They're... I have huge respect for them, you know, that, and as long as they do not lose their will to learn and, you know, to, to assess things from a different perspective, you know, like in less words, they should not be stubborn and listen to experts that want to help. They'll be fine. I'm sure they'll be fine. You know, we just need to be here to offer support and kind of live vicariously through that, you know, hoping to catch some of their enthusiasm because the idea that, you know, with having this, better solution for something and you can make it with and make the world a better place it's you know it's kind of a good thing for everyone sure yeah monica and sasha it was such a pleasure talking to you big big thank you for your time and for sharing your thoughts and knowledge have a wonderful rest of the day to all of you who were with us thanks for joining us in this episode of at center stage until next time Stay safe and enjoy life.